there's Bill English's Huey Lewis and the News Music signaling his arrival here as part of BibleandBusiness.com. He joins us every Wednesday at this time to talk about different dimensions of business from a Christian perspective. And Bill, uh, you're just freshly back from Israel. What was it? A couple weeks ago that you got back? Yeah, we got. Uh, yeah, we could go Saturday. Okay, and we talked yeah. a lot about what you were sort of anticipating on your trip and what you hoped for on your trip. Were there certain <clears throat> things that sort of surprised you that you'd never seen having been to the Holy Land in the past? Well, my first trip to the Holy Land, we were only in Galilee and Jerusalem. This time we spent four days in the wilderness, and i got to tell you, that was that was transformative. Have you been to the wilderness? I, I have, and it was a little surprising to me because it's sort of this desolate, rocky, barren place. It's not a sandy desert so much. Uh, what was your take, though, as you were walking around the wilderness? Well, we stood in the Canyon of Zin. You did? Uh we guess within 20 miles, give or take, where Moses struck the rock. Right. Okay. I don't know if you've been there or not. I don't remember if we were at that very place, but certainly in that neck of the woods. And you, two things strike strike you. First of all, where in the world would they get thread to make clothing? Mm. Where would they get food? Where would they grow crops? And how do a million people plus their livestock travel through this very narrow canyon? Yeah. Or did they travel up on the ridges right above? Right. <clears throat> we really don't know the answer to that. Well, and I would say that from the wilderness standpoint, uh, it, it, it so often is symbolic in the text. I mean, it's a real wilderness in the text, but it's symbolic of our journey in the wilderness at times as people where we just don't really know how to travel. We don't know how to turn. This is part of life at times, isn't it, in terms it of is. we don't know which direction to go. It's also part of business, I would assume, from time to time. Where it's like, I don't really know what to do next. Well, it, when you're in the wilderness, uh, there's nothing to distract you, and God can get all of your attention. We stood there in the heat of the, and it was hot. We stood there in the heat, and you begin to see why God took uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage, but took them into the wilderness so that he could become their God and they could become his people. I concluded from this trip that, that the answer to the question, what is the promise of the promised land? To my way of thinking, the promise is, is that he will be our God and we will be his people, and the land will support our dependency on God. And that really is a message for business people all around, it is. isn't it? That, that <clears throat> it dependency is. on God is really, I mean, you talk about best practices, and I'm sure there's a lot of just really practical tips in that, but I would assume that dependency on God is sort of just this assumed heartbeat if you're a Christian business person. Well, a lot of Christian business people like their businesses to be so stable and so secure that, in essence, they don't need to depend on God. Um, I think God takes Christians that he that that really want to grow in him and he keeps putting them again and again in positions of being utterly dependent upon him because that's where he wants us yeah regardless of whether we own a business or we're an employee or we're unemployed or we're in politics doesn't matter where regardless of our vocation god wants us to be a hundred percent dependent upon him i remember one time a person prayed with kathy and i when we were in, in a pretty difficult spot and he said you're in the enviable position of having to trust God fully. Uh, it's an incredible invitation on that. And, of course, they received manna every day in the wilderness. And they yet did. the manna, they couldn't store it up for the future because it would rot they overnight. It would be filled with grubs and bugs and worms and everything. And what can business people learn from that where we want to be good stewards and we want to know that we have cash moving forward in the businesses? At, at what point do we also learn from the manna experience? Success never endures. That's what I learned from the manna experience. Success never endures and failure need not be fatal.
And so your success in business never endures. You always have to get up the next day and do it again. Mm. Talking with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. And, Bill, of course, yesterday was a pretty big day in our country in terms of midterm election cycle. And, frankly, I don't remember ever this much interest in this kind of midterm election. What are some of the initial implications you see for businesses moving forward? Obviously, the economy has been roaring along, and we've seen a lot of regulations cut for business. Do we see anything shifting right now for business people over the next couple of years? I don't, because I don't think the Democrats took enough of a majority in the House uh, to really wield a lot of power. They're really going to have to cooperate with Republicans and vice versa. There's enough liberal Republicans and enough conservative Democrats that I think we'll see a blurring of the lines depending upon the vote. I don't think we'll see as many hardline party line votes in the next two years. I think if the Dems had picked up instead of 219, if I think they picked up 229, 235, I think it'd be a different story. Yeah. Uh, but at 219, you are barely in charge. Certainly there was no mandate given out to either side yesterday. It was pretty much a stalemate in terms of what happened. Not from the House, but from the Senate. Holy smokes. It's true. They did. It, it sounds like by all accounts they might expand it from 51 to 54, 55 even, if for a Republican control. And so it's interesting. The national narrative, at least from the Democratic side, has been that the 2016 election was some big mistake, that it was voter fraud, that it was Russian meddling, that this didn't represent America. But when you have the level of turnout that we had yesterday is pretty representative where we are in terms of American division and American interest at this point. And uh, I think that the uh, that the turnout is also something that confounded the pollsters. They don't know how to manage early voting in their polling, and they don't know how to manage such large turnouts. I took all the polling with a grain of salt. Yeah, I think most of us do. It seems like we're 0 for our last two in terms of what all we the are. polls are suggesting. I know down in Florida they had the the Senate and the governorship both going Democratic uh, pretty handily on some, some of the polls, and we see that Republicans went on both sides of it. I think Trump is growing on people, too. Uh, I, I think uh, he was not I, – I have found him to be personally repugnant, mm-hmm. even though I like most of his decisions. Uh, but he is growing on people, and I think he is he is solidifying his base within the Republican Party. There was a lot of people who voted – who pulled the Trump lever, but they held their nose when they did it in 2016. I don't think there will be as many in 2020. It's fascinating to watch. We're talking with Bill English of BibleAndBusiness.com. And, Bill, I see that, uh, obviously, the stock market can tend to signal a little bit their thoughts in terms of what happens in election cycle. It's really early for that. We see that the market is futures are up about 170, 200 points this morning. I did notice, however, that uh, under Trump's policy guidance that uh, the Asian markets are down substantially this year, 10, 20, 30 percent in some places in Asia. We see the European markets are down double digits as well as And yet the United States, in what has been more of a global kind of crash or correction, the United States has held pretty steady. Is that attributable to some of the economic policies under Trump? I think it's attributable basically to him putting America first for a change Mm. instead of putting the world economy first for a change. And uh, I think that the the election is going to give business owners... uh, There's there's not going to be a lot of change in policy or in legislation... Uh, and and Trump is going to continue to roll back regulations, I think that business can count on some real certainty over the next two years. Business, honestly, <clears throat> doesn't care as much about what the rules are. They just want to know what they are, and then they don't want them to change so they can adjust their models and, and uh, make money within the environment that they find themselves. Yeah. I don't think that environment changes that much over the next two years.
So as you're out with business people, and we've seen a pretty significant rollback in regulations over the past couple of years, and we see a, a really significant tax cut for businesses in place, what are you hearing in terms of people saying in the business world, this is favorable, not favorable, really helpful? What are some of the initial results of all of this? Uh, a lot of business owners are doing pretty well. Uh, <clears throat> frankly, a platinum, we're starting to suggest that they may want to sell now. If they are, if if you're a business owner, let's say you got a ten million dollar business, you're you're throwing off a million and a half a year of net profit, let's just say, and you're 62, probably a good time for you to sell because uh, the election coming up will introduce uncertainty in 2020, and probably your next best time to sell will be in 2021 or 2022. We think if, unless you want to wait another four or five years, now's a good time to sell. Also, <clears throat> we all know that based on the cycles, the uh, recessions are going to come. We are nine years out from the last recession. Mm-hmm. They happen every seven to ten years. Doesn't matter who's in power. Doesn't matter who the president is. Uh, this is a good time to sell your business. I'm talking with Bill English here at BibleandBusiness.com. And, Bill, we'll take a break. When we come back, I know one of the things that you referenced that didn't really seem to come up very much in this election cycle is the level of our national debt and what we can see in that moving forward. I would love for you to help us understand the implications of having this kind of debt level and if there's anything that can be done to begin to reduce it. So we'll talk about that next with Bill English on Faith Radio Mornings. Welcome back to Faith Radio Mornings at about 20 minutes past the hour here. We're talking with Bill English, who's all dressed up this morning. Bill, I have never seen you look sharper than you do this morning. The ties work and the shirts work and the the suit coats working. You must have a conference coming up of some kind that's important. You know, I, I got the mojo going on this morning. You do. I you do. do. I got it going on. Yeah, so. I feel substandard in my little, you know, zipper pull-up thing here that uh, that I'm wearing compared to just how good you look. But Yeah, but, you know, you have the physique for that, though. <laughs> you know, you, you got, you're kind of buff. You yeah, know? I do. And, and this is a big shirt. I have to hide the muscles underneath so oh, i don't okay. you know uh, right. just make you feel bad about yourself so with that bill you've got a best conferences uh yeah pra- best practices conference. Best, best practices conference you gave us one in terms of the importance of of having adequate cash and, and understanding the break-even level and staying underneath that um do you have some what would be be some of what your guest speakers are going to be addressing or some of their ideas well, that are going to be really uh, important by the way the conference is next wednesday november 14th you still have places where people can sign yes, up yes we do we have about 20 spots left okay so but not many not left many at this left point at all. okay uh, Howard and Julie Tripp, who own a Revo Brand Group in Plymouth, are gonna. Have, they've been married for over 30 years, and they've been business partners for over 30 years. What a story! And they're gonna talk about how to have a great marriage and have run a business together and be business partners at the same time. So if you are in a marriage and you work with your husband or your wife or your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend, or both husbands or three wives or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> uh, you you might want to come to the Best Practices Conference just for that. Because that's that's a big issue in family businesses is how do you work with family members and yet may have a great family? Yeah, well, Hallie and I just led a marriage retreat this past weekend. And so, Bill, if you have people that are working together, three husbands and two wives, and we'll hold another no, no. marriage retreat on the, the weekend after that. I, I don't have any I don't have any uh, advice on that one. That's <laughs> above my pay grade. <laughs> so we were talking a little bit before the break about the implications of the national debt, which really on both sides of the aisle, it just doesn't seem to get addressed. And, and Bill, these numbers, when I see them, they make absolutely no sense to me. I just, I don't, I can't process how big the debt is, how we get there, and more importantly, how we would ever get out of the debt. And also, too, what's the big deal about having that kind of debt? So kind of talk us through what you see in this national debt issue. Yeah, the article I wrote is, I published it both on LinkedIn and at Bible and Business. It's called The Burning Dog No One Talked About in the 2016 Midterm Elections. And, And the phrase that we use at Platinum is, you don't 
pet a burning dog. Mm. You put the fire out and help the dog heal. That's what you do. You don't go along up to a dog that's on fire and say, oh, it's okay, it'll feel better. Um, our debt is at $21.6 trillion on, on a national level. Total credit card debt is over a trillion dollars. Student loan debt, $1.5 trillion. Unfunded state pension plan debt is in excess of $6 trillion. Unfunded future federal mandates is over $127 trillion. A home mortgage debt, and the, and the list goes on and on. Right? Yeah. We are heavily in debt in this country. There's an economic law that maybe you've heard about. I, I don't know. It's called if you spend more than what you have over a sustained period of time, you're going to go bankrupt. Yeah. Okay? Yep. And governments uh, can't disobey that law. We have been spending our children's and our grandchildren's and our great-grandchildren's wealth on ourselves. And I don't care how noble the cause is, that's the reality. So how does this all come back to Roosevelt? I mean, is there a way to eliminate this kind of debt? And is sure. my understanding of course correct that maybe it was under the Clinton administration was the last time we saw a federal surplus in the in the debt? I mean, yeah. how, how do we get back to where we were? Yeah, about halfway through Clinton's uh, uh, eight years, we had a $5 trillion surplus, and we have, we have $5 trillion in debt. We could have paid off all of our debt. Mm. And then purpose to not go into debt again. But instead, the Republicans wanted to send the money back because people have been overtaxed in their minds. And the Democrats wanted to implement new uh, spending programs that would go on spending in perpetuity. Uh, both, they, they split the difference on that and both got some of what they wanted, right. which was the wrong thing for both parties to do. Look, um, uh, this this debt is going to kill us. The way you get out of it is real simple. You raise taxes and cut spending. You create surpluses at the government layer, and the government starts to pay back its debt. It's no different than a, than a business turnaround. If you have a business that's losing money, what do you do? You cut expenses and you increase revenues. This is not rocket science. But I promise you there's no political will in either the Republican or the Democrat or the Libertarian Party to do this. There's no will at the grassroots level in America to do this. And so someday... Maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's 50 years from now, but someday this country's going to go bankrupt and then we will be forced to do it whether we want to do it or not. Yeah, you're not going to make any friends on either side of the political aisle with that statement, Bill. To raise taxes on one side, it's going to be a non-starter for the Republicans, and to reduce spending on the other side will probably be a non-starter for the Democrats. And so do, do, how severe do things have to get before maybe some actual leadership steps in to, to just recognize the issues as you described? You know, every Thursday, the Treasury Department goes out and sells bonds. That's how they create money in the marketplace, uh, and they sell the bonds through the banks. And so that's how money, um, the M, the M, I think it's the M3 money, uh, gets gets created in the marketplace. One of these days, one of these Thursdays, they're going to go out and sell bonds and no one's going to want them because mm. they're not going to think that the government can pay it back. And when people stop buying these bonds, these treasuries, so that the government can fund the party, guess what? We're going to be in a real world of hurt, <clears throat> especially if the foreign investors back out and they say, we're not, we're not going to put any more money in the U.S. I don't know when that will happen, but if we keep on going the way it is, it will happen. I will tell you this. Trump is a bigger spender than Obama was. Obama averaged a trillion dollars of debt every year that he signed into legislation. Trump is on, on, um, on a, a trajectory to do more than a trillion dollars a year of debt. These Republicans who cried foul on all this debt all these years when Obama was in office are hypocrites because mm. they are not saying anything about it now, now that their guy is in charge. And I find that uh, repulsive.
Talking to Bill English at BibleandBusiness.com. We have just about a minute left here, Bill. So uh, raise taxes and cut spending. Uh, are there even just some steps that we can see? Because future generations, uh, to leave them saddled with all of this debt, I mean, it's, it's the heart of Christian irresponsibility, is it not? 70% of our uh, budget goes out in Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, so when all of us are old and the younger generations are coming up and saying, you settled us with all this debt, and yet you've, we are responsible to take care of you, seriously, I think the intergenerational wars that will happen will be significant. That would be an excellent time for the church mm. to be able to minister conciliation and also to minister uh, what it really means to have a social safety net that comes through the church rather than through the government. Uh, I have uh, high hopes that the church will stand up. My fear is that the church has been so co-opted by both political parties that um, it'll be difficult for the church to step out of sight of their political thinking and really be the church. Yeah, that's a great word, Bill. Thanks for joining us again.